Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda. This week's episode, Molly and I discuss everything that's been going on with her, but I wanted to just let you know that it's a tough conversation, so trigger warning, if you're not in the right headspace for this, please feel free to skip this episode. Thanks, everyone. Um, okay, so listeners, I've got Amanda here today. She's going to help me um, record this episode and, and talk about what's been going on, and um. Oh, gosh, just so you don't have to wait a millisecond longer, I'll tell you really quickly. Um, And then you can turn this episode off if it's too much, but it is a lot. Okay, so uh, my 20, I had an ultrasound at about 25, 24 and a half weeks, and it showed that the baby's head was measuring a couple weeks too small. I was sent for an MRI. And, uh, shit, it's already happening. Okay, I'm going to say it quickly. Um, I had to terminate the shit. Oh, no. Fuck, <laughs> I can't do oh, oh, You're going to have to cut this part out. <laughs> For real. Yeah. <sighs> Very hard to say out loud. Now vamp, Amanda. <laughs> uh, I'm not trained for this. <laughs> oh God, that was. But you're like I know that everyone's um, they're on their minds foremost is like, how are you okay? I'm okay. It's just very hard to say that part out loud. All of that, and especially. To all of you who have been here by my side this whole time. Um, yeah, I just I just feel uh, so sad for all of you. Even though I feel sad for myself, I feel sad for everybody else too. And uh, it's just as much your journey as it is mine. Um yeah, the long and short of it is, though, I am doing as well as can be expected, um, and and I'm okay. And and I think once Amanda and I get to talking about it, we'll have you know it'll it won't I won't cry as much, and I can fill you in on what happened. But if it's not, um, if you're not in a good place right now, you or if you're pregnant or trying to get if it's not for you please don't feel like you need to listen to this episode um it's a very very difficult difficult thing um but i know so many of you have a lot of questions so i just want to want to fill you in yeah 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 so how are you amanda <laughs> <laughs> I'm great. <laughs> you look great. Um, <laughs> and you look good too. I was telling Molly when we first Ooh, hopped on the Zoom. Like I disagree. All considering. I disagree. <laughs> Can we just start with just like uh, checking in on on how you are doing, like physically and emotionally? I just feel sure. Like, yeah, let's do that. Uh, yeah. Yes. Well, thanks for asking. <laughs> um, so, on top of all of the the devastating stuff that I uh, had to go through. Uh, I did end up in the hospital after my procedure because I lost a lot of blood. So physically, I am gaining my strength back or trying. Um, And um, I'm eating red meat, (laughs) Uh, steak, uh, hamburgers. My iron was really low. Um, and emotionally, I'm 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 okay. I mean, I spend most of the day pumping to donate my milk, and that's been 
a, a roller coaster in itself because at first it was really good for me and then nothing was happening after after the first 24 hours and so that was very sad for me and I have a lot of feelings about it but um I don't know we'll get more into that later but I'm I'm doing okay my family's doing okay I'm completely supported I got a lot of love from everybody from every direction and um a lot of understanding. I'm not thinking about the future in any way whatsoever right now. Um, I don't know what will happen, and I'm I have I, I'm really trying to avoid thinking about it. Um, yeah, because this whole thing has been so huge. I just haven't. I don't even know how to wrap my head around it. Yeah, it all happened really, really fast. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so what happened was. I had a a scan, an ultrasound at 24 and a half weeks, which I wouldn't have had normally, but I moved to this new state. They wanted their own ultrasound. Oh, wow. So normally, when would you have had... I think 28 weeks, maybe. Oh, wow. So I had a scan at 20 weeks and everything was okay. And then at 24 and a half weeks, I had this other scan and it was... um, I went there with my dad (laughs) and... um, Everything was looking great, and then the technician got the doctor, and the doctor came in and said that the baby's head was measuring a couple weeks too small. Mm -hmm. And that was scary, but we kind of held it together, and we talked to the genetic counselor. There was a couple other things, too. There was um, They couldn't see the membrane dividing the hemispheres of the brain, and one of the left... The, one of the ventricles of the brain was enlarged. So there were these three things, and they couldn't say if this meant anything or if it was all, everything would be fine or, or if it would be really bad. Um, so we, I did an amniocentesis immediately so that they could start doing genetic testing to see if there was something contributing to those things. And at that point, the skull was measuring in the fifth percentile, and microcephaly and microencephaly, I think uh, it's considered microcephaly at three in the third percentile. Okay. So I thought, well, my mom and I have tiny heads. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> and maybe they just can't, maybe they couldn't see the septum because, you know, bad ultrasound. So the doctor, yeah. so we scheduled an MRI for, uh, I think, four or five days later. And, uh, you know, that that whole week was very, very, very difficult. And that's when I first shut off from doing the show because I needed to stay sane and focus on myself and just breathe and sort of maintain my sanity. And um, it was scary. Got the MRI. She was kicking the whole time. <laughs> that was wild. Um And I still, I was feeling okay. And I had to be in the MRI alone and talk to the doctor alone. And when I, when he came in and he talked to me, he told me the news that the MRI showed that not only the skull was small, but this, the brain on the inside was very small, less than 1%. Mm. Oh, wow. Of, of what it should be. No, not of what it should be. Uh, Less than the first percentile, but I think more. I don't understand the words. <laughs> so when the brain is small, that's microencephaly. When the body, when the skull is small, that's microcephaly. Okay. They did see the septum, but they did see that underneath the temporal lobes, there were there was a piece of her brain that just wasn't there. He, nobody at this point, we still don't know what happened, why this happened. My twenty scan, twenty week scan looked good. Um, there was no sign of a smaller head or anything. And, okay, so, so not knowing what happened, but also the doctor said that, you know, my mom was on speakerphone with me and the doctor, she couldn't come in. But, uh, he told us that there was a moderate to high probability that she would have moderate to severe motor, sensory, and cognitive um, 
the impairment? Yes, or? but deficiencies. Deficiencies. Okay. And he said, it, this is not borderline. There's not really a question about it. You need to be prepared to take care of this child round the clock 24-7. Um, wow. And I, I mean, I knew immediately what I had to do for my sake, but also for her sake. And that was, that was awful. And, but in my mind, it, it, I felt like it was the right thing to do for the soul of that, that little girl, my baby, to be in a body that she could actually live in and thrive in and play and laugh and eat and, you know, just be a, a happy little child. Yeah. And... And I don't think that would have been a possibility if um, if I had kept her. Um, and now, you know, hopefully she took off and she's already landed in some fun little body. <laughs> or she's out there, uh, she's a star and she's waiting for whatever happens next for me. Um, and maybe she's a boy, maybe she's whatever she wants and... Um, and that's what makes me feel okay about everything. I have no doubt that I made the right decision and I have no shame about it. Um, and as, honestly, I was grateful in the moment that um, it wasn't a question, that I didn't oh, have to God, make yeah. a very – an even harder decision and not yeah. know. Ugh, I can't even imagine how much more difficult that would have been or if I would have been able to do it. Now gets to another hard part, which was – at this point, I'm now 25 and a half weeks pregnant. Wow. Which is very far along. And even though it's legal to terminate a pregnancy in New York at that time, there's not a lot of people that will do it. And Wow. So I had people working on my behalf trying to figure this out. I had my my midwives trying to find a a doctor that would do it in New York. I had my um, genetic counselor working on it. And I just do have to say that I've never been so supported. The doctors from the very beginning of all of this have just been so compassionate and taken the best care of me and tried to relieve me of some of the work. But Work. I don't know what I'm. T- it doesn't matter. Um, no, it make, you're making sense. Yeah. Um, trying to relieve me of some of the other things. Burden. Ra- the burden, rather than uh, taking care of myself and my emotions. So, if you had not been in New York, like I mean, in I don't know that yet. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what to... it is ever, anywhere, but... That's crazy that someone in your position would have to, like, travel out of state to get this done. Right. And so I, there was a, t- a, a moment I was maybe going to have to go to Maryland. And then my genetic counselor said, there's this one place in Manhattan that will do it, but they don't do it after 26 weeks. So call them right now and see if you can get in tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. So this is right the day of my MRI, and I'm not ready. <laughs> And I'm three days from being 26 weeks. Oh, my gosh. And then I find out that the procedure at this stage of a pregnancy is a multi-day thing. It's it's it can be two, three or four days. The first day or two uh, is to dilate the cervix. And then the last day is to do the evacuation. It's called a dilation and evacuation. And a D&E doesn't always have to be two days, but in my stage of pregnancy, it had to be. Um, so, so on top of the devastation of losing my baby, I had to navigate this fucked up world of reproductive rights. Oh my God. (laughs) I know. It's so insane. I couldn't, I was, I was just so upset that this was a thing that, that anybody has to go through this, and here I am going through it, um, and just shocked. But again, no, there was no judgment on the phone with anybody that I talked to. Everybody understood and wanted to help me. Um, what I ended up doing was finding this this place in Manhattan. They they said I could, so that was it was a Tuesday. The MRI 
I went instead of going in the next morning at 7:40 to begin the procedure, which I wasn't ready for. I went in for a consultation to talk to the doctor because I was scared and I just wanted uh, I, I want to make sure this guy would take care of me. Yeah, and do you? How far is that? Did you drive or you take the? We drove it. Drove. So it was yeah. um, forty-five minutes an hour. Okay. Yeah. Um. So anyway, I went. I talked to the doctor, and I did feel good and feel taken care of. I felt like they would uh, do a great job. Okay, that's good. And um, yeah. The so so I. Um, made my appointment for the next morning at 7.30 a.m. And uh, here's more info about, like, the experience of going to basically an abortion clinic. It's like there's 15, 20 other women there, and there's nobody – they don't have anywhere else to go. It's crowded, and you have to wait for hours because there's doctors, two doctors doing surgeries. and Wow. They don't all take long. They don't, you know, most of them are, I'm sure, in the first trimester. Um, And then you're also seeing, like, a lot of young women who are not attached to their pregnancies like me. And they're sitting there with their masks hanging below their nose and chatting on the phone and (laughs) just, like, trying to breathe. I'm trying to breathe. And and then there's some, you know, it's just – it's just – I was so grateful for this for these this clinic for taking care of all of these young girls. Mm-hmm. But I also was so uh, sad for this, the world that we are in, where I don't know, they just don't so have any is, other options. Th- this isn't even like a hospital. This is just a, it's a private practice, an abortion, and that's so wild because a procedure like what you went through is so feels like really complex, and I. I it's just crazy that you couldn't just go to the best hospital and get that done. Yeah. You know, I did call a bunch of places. One of them was Wheel Cornell, Wild Cornell, which is a nice hospital in New York. And there was a doctor there that said instead of doing a DNE, she would recommend that I did um that I labored and delivered the baby. Oh wow. That they would dilate my cervix and then give me Pitocin and, and, and she said she thought that would be safer. <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, in hindsight, yes, but I did not feel like I was emotionally able to do that. Yeah. Oh my God. I just, I couldn't imagine it. And now I, yeah, I would have absolutely done that because of what happened. Um, right. But I just don't, I don't know if – I don't know because speaking to the doctor at the clinic, he's been doing this for 50 years. He's been fighting for women's rights and he's had colleagues that have been murdered that don't live in like places like New York who – like one was murdered and another was stabbed. Um, wow. And that, he uh, – Yeah, you hear about that. And I actually was like, do you want me to mention your practice on the podcast and – and he said, I don't know, because his name's not even on his website. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, I mean, he was a compassionate, loving, loving fella. It's not like he wants to be doing what, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But were you going to say something? Well, I was just going to ask the, the cutoff you were saying at 25 weeks. 26, Is yeah. there a re- 26. Is there a reason... That's third that, trimester. So I, I was an, a day, two days from my third, third trimester. trimester. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> um, so, okay. So I go in the first day. I sit in the waiting room on pl- hard plastic chairs for four hours waiting for the first. You had to wait first. for four, four I hours? did. Was your I mom did. able to go in with you or you no. were alone in there? Oh. I was all alone. Me and and all these young ladies. (laughs) And I also asked him about the wait, and he said, you know, I go to a doctor's appointment and I get there 10 minutes early, but the young people these days, they don't even show up. And, And of course, like, there's people that are afraid. They decide not to do it or whatever. But so he says, like, sometimes they schedule 10 people and nobody shows up. And sometimes they schedule... 
18 and 20 show up. Um, wow. Or, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like yeah, people are Delta Airlines. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he's – yeah. But, th- I mean, honestly, it felt to me like that was the only thing that was wrong with the place. Not, the, not, not that it was their fault. But anyway, I forgot to say that the procedure, the D&E, on the day they do the dilation um, – they also, and this is very hard to say or listen to everybody, so I don't know, but most of this episode is going to be hard to listen to. But um, they, on the day of the dilation, they also do an injection into the abdomen, into the baby to stop their heart. I was under at the time. Um, when in the dilation, they insert something called laminaria, which is... I think it's an algae sort of derivative. I don't know what it is. It's made from some sort of algae. And basically they insert these four sticks of laminaria into your cervix. And the laminaria are super absorbent. And so it's they, what they, they absorb all the liquid, which makes them expand. And that dilates your cervix, makes it larger. And, you, and then you go home. So um, it has more time to dilate overnight. Um, they don't always put in four cervix. Four, sticks i think it depends on how much they need you to dilate yeah but yeah on the day on day one that was i think the hardest for me because i was saying goodbye on that day um and uh you know she was alive before and i um just talked to her a lot and said sorry and all that stuff but you know that I hope she would go on to another body and that knows that I love her and and um that she made me so happy and um um so that morning I was okay I was in there I was sort of at peace and then I'm lying down on the thing it's time for me to go under and I just, um, I said, can I put my hand on my belly? Because <laughs> I wanted to say goodbye. And they didn't know why I wanted to put my hand on my belly. They said, no, you need to keep your arms straight. And I was like, but I just, and then finally uh, somebody understood. And then they let me and I just started weeping really bad. Yeah. Like really loud <laughs> on this table. And so they had to like calm me down. And then... Then they gave me the anesthesia, and I woke up, and I was fine, <clears throat> and uh, mom picked me up, and um, and I went home, and, you know, uh, and for the next 24 hours, uh, until the next, until the ne- next part of the procedure, I had, you know, she was still in there, but her heart had stopped. Um, uh, so, okay. Is this too many details? (laughs) I mean, people will want to know as much as you want to share. So if it's, I I think it's totally up. I don't know if I'm being insensitive to the world by sharing so much or if it's good for the world. So uh, I don't think you're being insensitive to the world. I mean, this is, (sighs) people know what this episode is about, you know, so. Okay. Oh, God. I'm going to honestly, I'm going to take my shirt off. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to see me in a bra, a strange, my mom's bra. <laughs> I'm hot. My armpits are sweating. Molly, this is not the first time you've <laughs> taken a shirt off while we're doing a podcast. I've got breast pads on. <laughs> my boobs aren't big anymore. We'll get to that. That's the fun part. You also took your shirt off. I think the first episode we made. Was- With Amy Phillips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, and you guys were like, maybe you're pregnant. <laughs> oh, gosh. I wasn't. Um, what do you think about this bra? <laughs> I mean, honestly, it looks like Kim Kardashian's shapewear line. Oh, nice. My mom, maybe it is. Maybe that's what my mom wears. <laughs> All right. Okay. So, look, okay. So next day, they got me in a little bit faster than uh than the day before. I didn't have to wait as long. But um 
didn't cry on the table. Uh, but when I woke up from the anesthesia, um, they said, um, so Molly, we've called, um, we're going to have you transported to Bellevue Hospital because you're bleeding uh, isn't stopping and uh, we're not sure why but but they can take care of you and they'll um, they'll keep a very close eye on you and make sure that you're going to be okay and it's just we we think that you should be um, taken care of at the hospital. Um, Molly, can I ask real quick that the first night after the first part of the procedure, were you were yeah. you in pain for the next twenty four hours? Not really. No, okay? I I was expecting to be crampy, yeah. um, feeling like maybe contractions or something, um, but I wasn't really in pain, yeah, okay. and I didn't I didn't spot or anything that day, which means maybe I needed to dilate more. Maybe they didn't dilate oh, yeah. me enough, um, um, or maybe I should have had the two day procedure where they dilate you for two days. Oh wow. And and then and then they do the evacuation on the third day. I I don't know. Um, so, so yeah, that was very scary. Woke up. Um, they told me that, and I do. I was like conscious, but I was still coming off the propofol, which was you know that Michael Jackson drug, and um, and. I don't know. I was just in and out of it. I remember being in the ambulance and thinking, wow, these sirens are so quiet from inside. They're so loud on the outside. And they kept talking to me. Molly were, I remember getting moved into an elevator, then into the truck. And I'm just seeing all these masked faces above me. I don't know who anybody is. And um, then I get to the hospital, the, the ER, and I had the most wonderful doctors. It was a teaching hospital. And so there was probably, I know I had three gynecological doctors, like, just right there ready to take care of me. I mean, they were all residents, but, you know, I think that's what, or maybe they were fellows. I don't know. Anywho. Um, but, gosh, um that was just a flurry of crazy, like signing things, um, talking about allergies, getting a COVID test that was the craziest, deepest nose swab I've ever had. Really? I've had a few of them, and this was like so painful. And um, and Amanda, are you okay with talking about blood? I know you have a. Oh yeah, I can talk about it all day. I just okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like being there and having anything done to me. Okay, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm good. okay. Thank you for checking. All right. Well, they so they kept pressing on my abdomen, my uterus, to to see where it was and to see how much blood was coming out. And um, every time, you know, they were pushing on it, and I could feel the blood gush oh, out of me every geez. time. Um, but they wanted to feel that the uterus was contracting. Uh, um. This was in Annie's episode a couple weeks ago. She talked about that, how they couldn't stop the bleeding after she gave birth. Um, she had a clot that, and, and uh, gosh, I'm not sure actually with Annie's. That's not what happened to her. Anyway, um, but they were, they, they want the uterus to contract down to its a, a small size. Otherwise, it will fill with blood and you'll bleed and make clots. And I don't remember exactly. Um, but it it was it was smaller it was below the belly button at this point whereas before the surgery it was above um, an inch or two above the belly button um, but yeah there was a lot of bleeding they couldn't find any veins because I hadn't had any water because I was under anesthesia so I stopped drinking the night before at 10 p.m. so they couldn't find veins they stabbed me everywhere here's some bruising oh, can you see oh, that yeah. wait yeah. Um, had you seen your mom at all at this point or no no and I I somehow remembered her phone number after never having remembered it ever and the doctor called her she had been called by the clinic because she was my emergency contact oh god she must have been so scared but she didn't she wasn't at the hospital yet and we called her from the doctor's cell phone and the doctor explained everything to her and what they were going to do, which was that they were going to put me under again and go in there and um, see what they could see, where the bleeding was coming from, and 
and and figure out what they needed to do. And I remember a lot of like just so many things like getting pulling the doctor close to me and telling her, asking her to do everything she could to preserve my uterus. Um, and if she can't <laughs> save the uterus, please only take the uterus and leave the ovaries. <laughs> um, I remember telling them that I had two large hemangiomas in my liver. Like I felt like I was like in control. Wow. I, like I, I was like boss lady. And at one point I was like, excuse me, am I getting enough fluids? <laughs> and they were like, oh, yes. And then they looked at the fluids and I, and it, were, it wasn't flowing. And they were like, wow, you are so good at advocating for yourself. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. <laughs> um, and it's just everybody was just so compassionate every time they ca- came up that, Molly, I'm so sorry this is happening to you. I know you've been through so much, but we're going to take care of you. And that's it was just really, really, really helpful. Oh, yeah, um, thank God. And then they they booked the OR, and I was waiting for the OR for a while. I kept being like, "Excuse me, I need to go to the R OR. Make it happen. <laughs> like we got to get going." Um, I because once they said I was good at advocating for myself, I was like, "Well, I'm going to keep doing it then." Um, <sighs> I'm a little shaky now, but I'm okay. Um, I went okay. So they put me under, and what they well while I was under, I went into shock. <laughs> my body went into shock, uh, which I don't even know what that means. I don't know if that means I was dying. (laughs) Um, But they described it as DIC. And I actually, I think I should look it up right now since we're not doing cutaways. So just hang on. DIC. Um... Disseminated intravascular coagulation, or DIC, is a complicated condition that can occur when someone has severe sepsis or septic shock. Mm. Both blood clotting and difficulty with clotting may occur, causing a vicious cycle. So basically what they said was that I lost so much blood that my body ran out of clotting factor. Like, So when you're bleeding, your body makes clotting factor or has it stored up, and clots helps clot your blood. But I bled so much that it ran out and I didn't have anything left to clot my blood. So they had to give me a transfusion of clotting factors. Mm. Also, they may have given me blood, regular blood at that time. I'm not clear about that. I don't remember. Um, and when they went in, they saw that there, they thought they saw a laceration in my cervix. And I, so the cervix, I guess they explained to me, is about two and a half inches long. Nope, not, nope, two and a half centimeters long. <laughs> and and the there's the internal opening of the cervix, which is on the, on, you know, where it meets the uterus and the out, the external opening. So it's called the internal os and the external os. And they said that they th- think there was a laceration somewhere at the top of the cervix near the internal os and that's what where the bleeding was coming from there was not bleeding in the uterus so that was a good thing i guess so what they did to stop the bleeding there you can't do stitches in there because it's just um too small it's too tight and i i think that's what they said so um what they did was they put a balloon in my uterus which the uterus would clamp down around hopefully and put pressure on the area where the bleeding was happening in the cervix so that um, that pressure would stop the bleeding, hopefully. That was the hope. There was also a tube running out of me that would drain blood from inside, and they packed me full of gauze. Oh, my God. I do know I said I, I could talk about this stuff all day, but I am kidding. Okay, 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 okay. I, just, I can't yeah, even me too. believe that you can talk about this. Like, but that's what's crazy. I I've never had this reaction before, and now when I talk about this stuff, I literally feel my body tingling. Like, and when I talk to you from the hospital, you know what happened? Yeah, because <laughs> my heart rate monitor went off while she was on the phone because uh, she you were the first person other than my mom whose face I saw, and <laughs> and oh, oh my, god, my god, I just lost yeah, it. Yeah, we. It went up to 150 oh, when no. it, you got on the phone. Oh, God. And the monitor went off. Oh, my God. I feel bad. Um, but, I mean, yeah, because y- you went through, like, an extremely traumatic experience. 
Yeah. Yeah, okay, I'm going to quicken it up later on that night. Okay, so I, I got out of there. I went to, they they brought me to recovery. Worst part about that physically for me was the um, dry mouth. Because oh. <laughs> I hadn't had anything to drink since 10 the oh, night before. And, and what time is it like and right been, now by this point? Maybe like 4. Oh, okay, well. So your procedure in uh, the morning was early. No, it was like 11, 10 or 11. Oh, wow, so this all I don't know what time it was. pretty fast. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and or maybe it was like five, I don't know. But I'm in recovery. My mouth, they had intubated me. <gasps> so did? my, yeah, so my lips were covered with big blisters. I don't know what, what, what that's from. Um, but I, my mouth hurt so badly and I couldn't, they wouldn't give me anything to drink um, because they didn't know if I needed to go back under again. And it was so scary not knowing if I needed to go back in. But they had to monitor the bleeding. And if there was still bleeding, they'd have to figure something else out. Um, but anyway, they have these lemon sticks. <laughs> it's basically like a big Q-tip that tastes like sour lemon. And I sucked on those so hard. <laughs> they were Are there moist? basically like like moisture on nothing. Them, right? A tiny okay. bit. Like it's like glycerin. Oh. And... Um, 
massagey things on my legs yeah. that are always, um, yeah, keeping the blood flowing. And I had about four tubes coming out of my arms and my hands. And my blood pressure was always low. So every 15 minutes, my monitor went off. So sleeping was not good. <laughs> I did not get much sleep that night. And then at five in the morning, a doctor came in and said, so has anybody told you uh, what we're do- what's what's happening next? And I was like, no. He's like, okay, well, what we're going to do is um, sometime this morning we'll remove the balloon and then we're going to monitor you to see how- if you're still bleeding or not. And if you are, <laughs> he just nonchalantly says, if you are, then we'll put you back under and we'll go back and see what else we can do. If we're not able to stop the bleeding – then we'll call the IR team, which is some sort of radiology. And basically they go through, uh, oh, intervent, it doesn't matter. They go in through your femoral artery and find the, whatever arteries or blood vessels are supplying the blood to the, the area that's bleeding and they cauterize oh. them. And then if that, and then he's like, and if that doesn't work, then hysterectomy. Oh my God. <laughs> Oh, no. So that was um, scary. Yikes. And my heart rate shot up with that, and um, my legs started shaking. There was a lot of shaking and a lot of coldness. I kept saying, I'm so cold, I'm so cold. My phone was still locked up. My mom had brought my computer, so that's how I talked to you the next day. Right. So, wait, I talked to you that day. Like, you were saying that doctor came in at 5... A.M. that, that day. A.M. I talked to you later oh, okay, that day. Yeah. And right after I talked to you, right as I go, as I, I remember the sentence when the doctors walked in and I was saying to Amanda, I'll tell you one thing, Amanda, I'm never fucking doing yeah, this yeah, again. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then I hear, Molly? <laughs> and I was like, I gotta go, Amanda. <laughs> oh, my God. I know you were all, oh. like, masked up. You had two masks on, and it was just like, because oh you, God. I had texted you, like, you know, ch- just checking in, and then you were like, don't be scared, but I had to go to the hospital, and you were like, <laughs> I can maybe FaceTime, and I was like, sure, and then... You just, your little face appeared. Oh, my God, Molly. And then I started crying uncontrollably. Uh, And then I felt so bad for you. And your face was so huge. Uh, On your computer (laughs) screen. My my screen. It was like, oh, my God, I can see her emotions, and it makes me scared. (laughs) Oh, that was so Uh, scary. I uh, I was very scared. I want to say that... um, had a lot of like racing a lot of thoughts while I was in recovery and uh one of them was like yeah I'm never I'm never doing this again I don't I don't I'm too afraid I I don't think I can try to get pregnant again and the other thought was I'm gonna adopt a thousand babies and then the other thought was I'm gonna become a fitness guru (laughs) Why? Why a fitness guru? I have no idea. All I wanted to do was get up and run around. Oh, interesting. I wonder if it's yeah something about like being kind of trapped, being bedridden for a couple of days. I don't know. But this was only an hour after I woke up. I was having all of these thoughts. Now, after telling you guys all of telling you guys that the feelings about, you know, adoption, I do want to say that it's only been, you know, a couple of days and there's parts of me that think about it and I've changed up my mind already. So uh, one thing I would love is for nobody to give me advice and nobody to talk about the future with me at this point, because right now I'm just in, um, you know, so just recovering and focusing on um, today. Um, But yeah, I'm going to move forward because there's, there's more to say. Um, hmm. (laughs) Long story short, Oh, this was a funny part. <laughs> so, so, so I was nervous about when they took the balloon out. What would happen if not, if I would start bleeding or not? So then, there's always change, shift changes, and two wonderful doctors, uh, new doctors came in. They were lovely, and they they were the ones that would remove the balloon, and and they did that while I was in the ICU. But they start by taking out the packing that's in my vagina. <laughs> And he starts pulling it out slowly and they're like, okay, it's looking, it's looking good. It's not, the blood isn't too bright colored. Um, and it just keeps coming, <laughs> it keeps coming. And then I was, I just made some sort of joke, like I was a magician and these were handkerchiefs. 
Um, there was 16 feet of gauze in me. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and I had to tell him. I think that's enough to get from the earth yeah. to the moon. <laughs> um, I, I had to tell the doctor to slow down because it felt like, you know, a, pulling out a dry tampon. 16, a 16 foot dry tampon. <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, but they were soaked with soaked with blood, and at the end, it was just a pile. Amanda, just like, uh, just a pile. Um, and yeah. and then and then the balloon had already fallen through my cervix, and it was. And so they said, "This is good. This is good. It's not much bleeding. Doesn't look like there's much stuff." Um, so everything was looking good. I had to stay there a few more hours. I still hadn't eaten anything or drank anything. Um. Oh, I, I might have had water. Mm. They started letting me have water the first night in the ICU. I had water, <laughs> uh, but then they wouldn't let me have water. Um, after that doctor came in at five, uh, in case I had to go under again. Mm. So anyway, eventually I was allowed to have liquids, and I had a bunch of beef broth and. <laughs> Um, and then I went up to the next, to another level and I, I, they said later that night, it was about nine o'clock. They said, you, we could discharge you tonight. And I, I didn't let my mom come to the hospital that day because of the guy with COVID next to us. Um, and it was nine o'clock and I was scared as hell that I would get home and start bleeding and have to go back to the hospital. And so I decided to just stay there another night. And also, I didn't want my mom to drive in. So, so I slept. And I got a little bit of sleep that night. Here's something crazy. Um, <laughs> like 5 a.m. the next morning, I had an orgasm in my sleep. <laughs> yes. What? I don't know. What the fuck? Weird. It was so crazy. Like, Your body's just probably my going My body nuts. went crazy. And the doctor came in right after that and I told her and she was like wow well that's good I guess and I was like this is really fucked up <laughs> this is terrible but I was dreaming about gay men and I had a, a little tiny I don't know what happened <laughs> wow well listen even in the worst of circumstances you are strong Molly <laughs> warrior, warrior. Uh, oh, and then I kept thinking. What my thought was, um, when I when I was having the procedure, I thought, you know, I'm going to get to go home, and then I'll grieve the loss of my child, and and I'll have time to grieve, and and then this tra- this crisis happened, and I was in crisis mode, and there was just I just didn't feel like I had any time to grieve, and then I got home from the hospital on Sunday. Um, and so just so exhausted and, uh, weak and I, who knew iron, you need it. (laughs) Um, and I like went up the stairs once and I was totally out of breath and felt my heart pounding and who knows how much of that was like psychological or if one, it would just give me the worst fear. Um, so Anyway, there wasn't a lot of the grieving on Sunday. And then I woke up Monday morning and my breasts were gigantic and hard as rocks. And I, I sent you a picture. I couldn't believe <laughs> Describe them eyes. to everybody, Amanda. Uh, uh, Pamela Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> it's the breasts I've always wanted. <laughs> well, I, I, it was the most insane thing seeing Molly with these huge round breasts and i mean huge <laughs> they were like dolly parton boobs and it just it those are not the breasts for no. you those are not i liked right. them i really liked them i mean they were a little they looked amazing jesse they looked amazing and they were they were a little too round looking um they that's what they they did not look real um but the size was i mean i was impressed but um they hurt though, and they hurt, uh, and and milk was dripping from them, or uh, you know, a little bit here and there. And, and was that something you just didn't anticipate, and no one sort of warned? No you? one really talked to me about it. One of the midwives mentioned uh, before the procedure: Has anybody told you that you might um, start lactating a couple of days after? 
And I was like, no. And I don't, I just really, I hadn't really thought about anything at this point. And then I did start to notice the, that they were um, harder on Sunday night. But yes, Monday morning was crazy. And so the rest of that day was about mitigating this situation that was <laughs> arriving because um, they were getting harder and, and bigger. And so I did everything in my power to um, stop the engorgement. Like, so they say cold cabbage leaves and icing with bags of peas and um, wearing, but their binding is a, an older technique that they don't really do these days anymore, but, but there were, I had some people telling me I should bind and some people telling me I shouldn't lactation consultants and different people. I heard something about large quantities of parsley. So I was drinking parsley smoothies. Um, so again, no time for grieving. Uh, and I'm still weak as hell from the everything. And the boob thing was really like all encompassing from Monday and Tuesday. And then Tuesday night, I started to think, why am I not donating this? Because my first thought was, oh, I would never be able to donate. One, nobody's going to want my milk because who knows why this happened to my baby. Maybe there was some sort of virus that I've got. Nobody's going to want this milk. The other thought was, I can't do that emotionally. And the other thought was, uh, oh, that'll just be a distraction from everything. <laughs> like like me trying to avoid um the reality of the situation. But I also was uninformed and I didn't really know. I also just didn't think it was logical. I didn't have a, a full breast pump situation. I had pieces that someone had given me, but not the tubes. And I didn't know. any. I just, I wasn't, it just, none of it was there. I wasn't ready emotionally, yeah. I think. But then on Wednesday. Well, you had a lot, a lot going and on. I was, and I was so anxious still from the, um, <clears throat> hospital and I was scared that I was going to get mastitis which is when you get an infection in your breasts from I don't know whatever clogged I don't know why it happens clogged duct or something. Um, yeah. so then I asked my midwives if I could see them on on Wednesday morning and and this they were just they're just such fabulous people um, it's called full circle midwifery or Northwell health midwifery of Harrison they changed names but if you need a midwife and you're in New York I love these people so much she she checked my breasts and said they were very engorged, but that she thought it would go away if I continued to keep binding and doing, you know, just give it a little bit of time. Um, but then I was like, can you tell me about donating breast milk? And she's like, I don't think she said you don't want to do that. No, she, what, what was her, re I don't remember her reaction, um, but she what she ended up telling me was that the milk that I am producing right now is the only milk that NICU babies can have because, or preemie babies. So I'm producing preterm breast milk and preemie babies can only have preterm breast milk. Um, oh, wow. That the, the milk that you produce when you're nine months or 10 months or whatever, full term is it's just got, it's just got a different consistency and your body somehow knows that you've made a preterm baby and they need certain types of, I don't know what, Wow. And that really affected me and made me think I might want to do this. And also the idea of not knowing if I was ever going to be pregnant again and always wanting to experience breastfeeding and that thinking this might be my only chance to experience that was making me strongly consider that. And then <clears throat> when I got home, I talked to my mom about it and, and, and a couple of people and the, the first reaction from everyone is always, oh, no, you don't have to do that. Don't feel like you need to do that. But I feel like it was very it wasn't about I mean, I, I was trying to make the best decision for my own psyche and what would right. what would make me heal and make me feel the best. And I love like donating blood and it makes me feel great. So there's that aspect to it. And of course, I would love to help little little babies. But I really think it was the idea that I might not be able to ever do this again um, that made me want to do it the most. So there was a snowstorm coming. Somehow my mom, <clears throat> this is from the intubation, by the way, all this throat clearing, I think. 
I mean, I think oh, you t- you heard my voice yeah, when I called you that one day. Didn't I sound like um, who's that singer that died? <laughs> really smoky voice. Anyway, <laughs> I was like, uh, I don't remember how you s- sounded. I you had a lot of masks on and. <laughs> There's a lot of beep, like hospital um, sounds. Okay, so my mom found a, a breast pump that you could rent at a pharmacy, and um, and right before this huge snowstorm hit, and I got a lactation consultant on over Zoom, and Wednesday night I pumped, and it was awesome, and it made me feel so amazing, and all this milk came out, colostrum. Um, which is the early stuff, which is, they call it liquid gold, and it's very precious. Um, And I got two ounces of that, my first pump, and I was like, this is going to work. This is amazing. But every single pump in the next 24 hours decreased a little bit, and it was down to one. And so then... A boomerang I feel I feel like shit because I'm like oh I've dried up all my milk from all my parsley and cabbage and um uh just everything that I was doing and so what had come out was just the stuff that was already there and then I wasn't going to produce any more so then I spent the next 24 hours feeling very sad and when you're pumping you have to got to do it every three hours so at this point I'm on on Thursday afternoon, I'm pumping, or maybe it was Friday, I don't know, it's all a mess, but I'm getting like three drops every time, and that just really made me sad, because I was, I don't know. Then that night, I started to have like mild panicky feelings, and so then this was like, okay, now we're getting to reality times, <laughs> but... Mm. Then I guess Saturday morning, I got a little bit more than the night before. And the next 24 hours, I got a little bit more than the day before. And so this morning, I think it's it's I, it's coming back a little bit. And okay, um, I'm still getting like maybe an ounce every 24 hours from seven pumps. Wow. But... Well, anyway, I thought that would make me happy again, but I, I am just, I'm, I'm back and forth. I'm like, I'm happy. And then I'm having these, um, you know, crying really hard. And then I'm, we're eating dinner and I'm having, my body runs cold and I'm feeling anxiety and panic and like, yeah, I'm not having panic attacks. Oh, that's the other thing, folks. I have, um. A ther- my old therapist, but I've also gotten another therapist who specializes in, I think, grief and loss of um, preterm stuff. I don't, I don't remember her details, but I've been talking to her. I've been talking to everybody, and um, the more I talk about it, the easier it is to talk about. This is really a big step for me talking with you, yeah. Amanda, and and letting all of you know what's up. I don't know if I'll do another episode next week. I'll keep updating the Patreon. Um, and I don't, I have no idea. I have no idea what's going to happen in the future. Yeah. And how I'll deal with the grief and how it, I think it'll come in waves and moments. And I got my Medicaid card in the mail the other day and they sent and then in another envelope addressed to unborn ba- unborn hockey um was their medicaid card my baby's medicaid card and that just wrecked me oh uh, my brother arranged for the remains to be picked up by the um by a funeral home so that they could cremate the ashes i mean <laughs> cremate the remains yeah so I had to go to the funeral home yesterday and sign papers um, authorizing the cremation. Wow. And the director was probably the only guy in this whole scenario that was not sensitive. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, what did he do? Well, he just didn't have any kinds of nice niceties. I don't know what they're called when, you know, when you're... When you're gentle, it feels yeah. like a funeral director would be very caring be, and thoughtful. Yeah, empathetic. He didn't say anything sweet at any time, and while going through the details, was coldly at, coldly ask things like, um, 
So was this a still? This was a stillborn. And then I said, no, I had to terminate the pregnancy because of a fetal abnormality. And he goes, oh, I was led to believe that this was a miscarriage. And I was like, in that moment, I'm like, eh, is he not going to do the cremation? It's like, is it their policy that they don't do this and I've got to get comfortable using the word abortion and so then he's like why does he even need to know buddy I think it's like I think he had so many legal documents that he had to fill out oh oh interesting god there's just so many things I've given a lot of details maybe too many (laughs) sorry everyone I know I mean I can't even believe you had to go and do that was that difficult it was, but my mom came with me, and yeah. it, I, I, it didn't have to be difficult. I thought it, I didn't think it was going to be difficult. I thought I'd just go in there and sign things. But this guy, yeah. and I got to say, <laughs> nah, I can't talk shit. He, he just, <laughs> he looked like he was, oh man, I want to talk bad. Let it's me say okay. this. He had, he, he had the, the heaviest spray tan I've ever seen, and, and like spray on hair, I think, on his scalp, and, um, rosary around his neck and he pulled his mask down to take a sip of coffee at one point and his lips were so stretched it looked like he had like had a lot of surgeries and it was just a very I don't know well I'm going to link to this episode on their Yelp page you better not <laughs> anyway I'm doing okay my mom is okay my dad is okay they're experiencing their emotions too. I think they're doing, they're not holding it in too much. Um, I don't think it's been really hard for me to tell people. So I've asked people to tell other people, like mm-hmm. Amanda told a couple friends for me. That's, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. And so you're continuing with the pumping, trying, hoping that the breast milk comes in. And then day to day, are, what are you going to get up to like do you, through the holidays are you just going to try to rest and yeah the other day when there was no milk coming i asked two different consultants and they said give it three more days so i'm doing that for three more days and if i don't get up to like an ounce per pump then then that's probably not healthy for me to just keep trying too hard yeah i don't know well we'll see what happens but the holidays yeah i mean it's covid anyway so we weren't going to do yeah. much to begin with and um my we just have my brother and his wife and their daughter in our bubble so so they'll come and visit us and yeah i'm just resting a lot i literally can't go up the stairs without getting out of breath and um and then the pumping takes, you know, if it's every three hours, but it's 15 minutes of washing and cleaning the parts each time. And I have to be super careful because it's um, being donated. So 15 minutes of washing and then 15 minutes of the pumping and then five minutes of hand expressing just to really tell those boobs to get to work. Mm. And then, I don't know, it just seems like it takes up 45 minutes yeah <laughs> so it's it's like you're done and then you have two hours and then you got to do it again like i've got to do it again in 40 in a half an hour anyway wow. i said a lot <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't know just i'll just take it day by day see how i feel is there anything that we can do for you that <laughs> you want or need from any of us at some point, I'd like to figure out great places to donate money to. Like, uh, I am working with the New York Milk Bank or the Milk Bank of New York. I'm not sure. Also, I'd like to figure out maybe um, Planned Parenthood, something or other, maybe um, some sort of organization that gives money to families of children, um, parents of children with microencephaly or microcephaly. Mm-hmm. But I don't haven't thought about that too much yet. Yeah. Um, but I would like to to help out in any way. But 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 for me personally, just keep sending your love, and um, I'll definitely keep the Patreon updated. And 
If you email me, definitely don't expect a response. I think I might be okay to get an email and read an email these days. Before I was asking people to email my mom. But I think I can do it now. But yeah, I probably won't respond. And please don't um, give me advice about future stuff. Adoption and babies and options and pregnancy and yeah. Yeah, keep it to yourself. Yeah, but also I was talking to my therapist and, and I was talking about these boundaries that I've set and and she says, but people, you know, they're going to want to experience their grief too. And and that's true. I don't want to take away that your experience from you. So please feel free to grieve however you like. But, but um, I care yeah. about you. <laughs> of course. And all of, throughout this whole process that your listeners have been on the forefront of your mind. I mean, that really has been every time I've checked in with you, you're like, oh, I don't know how to tell people. I feel so sorry for all my listeners are going to be so disappointed. I'm like, oh, my God, Molly, you can, don't worry about them. We're all going to be strong for you. Um, but yeah, and the people, you know, feel free to write your advice or your feelings, you know. Not advice. Letter. No, in a letter and then burn it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are certain things you can tell me. If you have a specific experience that you went through, I would love to hear. If it was this same, a similar experience, and you want to talk to me about it, tell me about it. I'm definitely open to it. Yeah. And if you have advice about lactation, whether it's stopping or starting it up, getting it going, you can email that as well um, to spermcast at gmail.com. But... Yeah, 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 yeah. Just be strong, everybody. And I'm not discouraged. I will be a mom one day. I just don't know how I'm going to get there and or when. And I'm not thinking about it right now. Um, And and we'll be okay. And I have so many wonderful people supporting me and loving me and taking care of me. And I'll be okay. And I guess, you know. My little one is out there, and she's she's okay too. She's in she's in a, in not a better place. That sounds like a bad. I don't know. <laughs> I can't end it on that. <laughs> I gotta say something smart. <laughs> she'll she'll she's in my heart, and I'll and she'll always be with me, and I'll always be with her. And maybe we'll be together again one day, or maybe we'll just cross paths. And um, I don't know, but but it's uh, everything is okay. That's all. And uh, Amanda, <laughs> uh, I, I don't have any last words. Okay. <laughs> Other than from everyone, we love you, and we're here for anything you need, even if it's just um, your Amazon wish list. <laughs> I hate Amazon. She doesn't listen to the show, you guys. <laughs> When I say Amazon wish list, I mean it's my you know, good from... my my uh, Salvation Army wish list. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh God! Uh, thanks for doing that with me, Amanda. Of course, you you did great. That was that was hard, but of course you you handled it like a pro. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.